A good near of Shabbos, a good near of Yantu for our, to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul. We had a most amazing Yom Kippur, Baruch Hashem. You could mamish feel the Shechina in the Shul. And now we're going Mechayel El Choyel, moving into Sukkis. Everybody is preparing and is excited. And again, if anybody needs a Sukkah invitation, please let me know and we'll arrange for you to be in a Sukkah for, for the Yontif. And I want to share with you some ideas. We're not going to be speaking very much on Yontif because we all want to be in the Sukkah as much as possible. We'll be with friends and, and family. So I want to share with you a, a piece of Torah from Rav Goel Al-Karif Shlita. And he asks three questions. The first question is, we know there's a concept of having simcha, joy, and the three holidays of Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, as it says, v'somachto v'chagecha. All of them we have to have joy. But however, the Chag Sukkos, we say specifically about Sukkos, that it is a sman simcha senu, a time of our joy, more so than any of the other holidays. And the question is, what is the virtue of this Chag more so than Pesach, isn't there, there's no greater simcha of freedom that you have on Pesach. No greater simcha than on Shavuos we receive the Torah. That's the source of all simcha. As it says in Tehillim, Pekudei Hashem Yesharim, the, the laws of God are straight, Misam Chelev, they give joys to the heart. So why is there so great simcha on Sukkot? So the simple answer is, that this is a time that really shows that we have the essence of simcha. In other words, there are two ways to achieve simcha. There could be an externally driven simcha and an internally driven simcha. So when things are going right, you know, oh, we got out of, got out of jail, we got out of Egypt. Wow, something great happened. Obviously, you're going to be happy with that. Nothing wrong with that. You get the Torah, never had the Torah before. A new Kenyan in Torah every year. It's, it's amazing. But how about when um, things aren't going so well? Are you still besimcha? Can you still reach that simcha at that time? And you're making an effort to feel simcha. Because you know what? Because you know that whatever Hashem is doing for you is the best. And if it seems difficult, it's only so God is able to draw us out into greater levels from ourselves internally to the external. So therefore, there's no Kiddush with Pesach. There's no Kiddush with Shavuos. But the real test comes with Sukkot. Because what does Hashem tell us to do? Leave your comfortable home, your lazy boy chair. Get out of the, your comfortable bed, the dining room. What do we go? We go on plastic chairs, plastic tables. We have to go in the Sukkah. And this year, I understand, we are expecting a great Shalom Aleichem from a lot of bees the uh, Devorim are going to be joining us. And uh, and it's in, in Toronto, it's, it's windy and it could rain and all these things. And still, because the essence of the sukkah is being with Hashem, that gives us a simcha. Having simcha, when there's no external things that are motivating the simcha, that shows it's a real zman simcha seno. That is a simple explanation to that. There are another two questions, and one is, why does the holiday of Sukkot come dafka after Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? There's a lot of Torah said on that. 
And there's one final question. We know that we will have every one of us, no matter what, we'll have guests on Sukkot, and those are the seven Ushpizim. Those are the seven uh, shepherds, uh, the the souls of Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Mo- Moshe, Aaron, Yosef, and David come to visit us. And the question is, why do the Ushpizim come on this holiday? Why not at our Seder let the Ushpizim come? Why not on Shavuos have Ushpizim? Why do we have the holy guests only at this time? Shaval Karif explains the following. The Simcha of Chag HaSukas is a unique one that cannot happen all the time. And let's explain. You know, there are two types of guests, visitors we have in our home. Let's say you invite someone for a Shabbos meal, nice person, they come over, they're very nice guests, they're very respectful, uh, good conversationalists, sing nice miros, tell nice to be very Torah. It's beautiful. And, have, you know, they're two, two and a half hours, three hours. It's getting late. And uh, you're tired, naturally. And you kind of would like the guests to leave. So you'll make certain statements. Okay, now it's time to bench. Let's go. And uh, if the guest is, you know, still dawdling a bit and not getting done, he says, well, you know, we really got to get moving. I'm kind of tired, if you don't mind, this and that. Sometimes you have guests who never leave. Even when you get up from the table, you take them to the door, they start talking and this and that. And you like them, but you're tired. Nothing personal. And you just want to call it a night. So, uh, and therefore, and, and if they stay too long, then you may be unhappy. On the other hand, let's say your grandchildren are coming over and uh, the grandchildren come, your children with your grandchildren, they come and it's Lebedic, it's La Yehudim. You know, the, the grandchildren run around, they're running around the table, they, they break something, they spill things, guaranteed if you have a lot of grandchildren, there'll be wine all over the place, or always on the white tablecloth, etc., etc., and they stay for two, two and a half hours. It's loud. It's rowdy. Everything's going on. And then when it's time to go, you say, oh, you have to go? Why are you going so soon? Question is, what's the difference between those situations? And the answer is that if you really love your guests a lot and you feel very close to them, you want to maintain that closeness. And you ignore everything else that's there. You're seeing your children, you're seeing your grandchildren, and you love them. That's the focus. Other things are peripheral. On the other hand, if you have a guest, of course you're treating the guest nicely. No question about it. But he's not the singular focus. It's not that you love the guest like your children. And therefore, other aspects can interfere, so to speak, and have to be recognized as well. That's the difference. So let's figure. Uh, all year long, Unfortunately, when we do Averos, every Avero we do creates a machitza, a boundary between us and Hashem. And a whole year long, there's a, a certain feeling of a distancing between us. And as much as we would love to love Hashem with all our heart and all our might, it's challenging when you have a certain Averos. Hashem conceals himself from us a little bit. We're concealing ourselves from Hashem. So even Pesach, even Shavuos, which are great times, but we can't honestly say we've been cleansed from all our sins. Therefore, the closeness is lacking a little bit. 
However, after Yom Kippur, we merited for Tshuva Shalema. Hashem slach lanu, mechal lanu, kaper lanu. Hashem is bringing us close. Hashem has, and together with us, we have broken the mechitzas between ourselves. And we know like the Pasuk says, kamayim haponim laponim. When your face looks in the water, you see the face that sees you, you see your reflection of yourself. So when Hashem sees that we are breaking down the barriers, Hashem shows a tremendous love for us. And Hashem says, you know, I'm king of the world. But right now after Yom Kippur, what I prefer is to be with you. I want to visit your house. And when it's visit your house, which is now as the Zohar says, that Tzila Nebei the shade of faith. I want to come to you, I want to reside with you. I don't want big things. I don't have to come into your house, the luxurious house. You can make a sukkah. And the sukkah we know can be any kinds of boards. The schach we know is the psoles, the uh, the leftovers from the goren and the yekev. It's not the fruits, it's the byproducts. It's really the, almost the garbage, so to speak. Take a few bo- p- uh, pieces of wood, put it together, and put a little uh, schach on the top. In theory, it should not cost a lot of money. In the olden days, when people were farmers, they just, just took a couple pieces of wood, took some extra um, stuff from the harvest that was left over, uh, and they made a sukkah. Nowadays, you go in, you have to get this. But in the old days, it, it really, and it still could be very cheap. Now, we know that when a person wants to show and prove to someone that he loves them, what will he do? He will buy a nice gift. This is a person you want to be, get friendlier with. He's a nice guy, and you want to draw yourself closer, him to you, you to him. So you give him a very thoughtful gift. Whatever, he, if, he, if you learn with him, you get him, give him a nice uh, safer, or a person you know he likes food, so you get him a nice uh, chocolate or cakes before you enter. A very nice gift, and it's natural. It's showing that you love for the person. But if there already is a tremendous sense of love, and you don't have to prove anything, So you don't have to prove it with expensive gifts. And the receiver, you want to, you want to show, you know, you want to show you love them, but then you only like, as I say, tokens of our love. And any token is important. You know, I just recently received from my daughter, one of my daughters, a very beautiful letter. Didn't cost any money. Uh, It was a nice letter. She was thanking me for Yuntif and this and all the other things that a a, a special daughter would, would say to a father. Didn't cost her a lot of money, but that is so much more worth than, you know, buying me expensive things. As I always tell my children, I said, what should you get for your birthday? I said, I don't need anything. Baruch Hashem. I just need you to be good children. That's it. To be ovde Hashem. And that's the gift I want. So therefore, but there's so, but if you don't know, a person doesn't know how much you love them, you got to prove it by giving big gifts. So now, Sukkot is after the Yom Naroim. At this point, we are very, very close to Hashem, and Hashem is very close to us. As opposed to the other holidays, you don't have that same closeness. So you don't have that same closeness on Pesach. What happens? You have to make a big Seder. You bring out all the expensive jewelry and everything like that. Not jewelry, the uh, utensils. And you show Hashem, look how much we love you. A fancy kosher alio, a big meal, shmura matzahs, expensive shmura matzahs. You pull out all the stops to show us how much you love him. Shmuas, you stay up all night. That's a great gift for a Kaddish Baruch Hu. 
But Sukkis, Sukkis, Hashem, we've already come to the point. We don't have to prove our love to Hashem, and Hashem doesn't have to prove His love to us. We spent 24 hours really going beyond the pettiness of this world and coming to a dveikas mamish to Hashem of Ein Od Movado. And at that point, all we have to do is tokens. A token. Hashem says, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. It's important. That's why it, it's, it's, it, it's such a simcha for us. The fact that we feel close to Hashem more so than any other time of the year. And when you know what, who and what Hashem is and how He loves us so much, so therefore we appreciate and the simcha is amazing. And that's why specifically after Yom Kippur, we go into the sukkah to show the great simcha that we have. So that, now we have to come to the last point. And we have to come to the Ushbizen. But let's make it clear. Let's make it clear. If Since we're so close to Hashem, he says, I don't need any fancy gifts. I don't need any fancy gifts. I just want to come into your sukkah. That's it. And you know what we're saying to Hashem? Hashem, we don't need any fancy food. We can go out into the sukkah ourselves. In other words, neither of us need big gifts. We, listen, I'd rather be in the dining room. I'd rather be with all the comforts in the world. But you know what we say? If Hashem, if you're with us and you're close with us, it doesn't matter where we are. I don't need all the fancy luxuries. Even though I don't have any luxuries. I have your love. That's all. What's the token? We'll be together in the sun. And Hashem says the same thing. I don't need a fancy house. You can make me a, a poorly constructed sukkah. As long as it's kosher, it's fine. So therefore we see the real simcha is that we don't have to do big things anymore. If you have a great relationship, all those cosmetic things are not necessary. You know, it's, you know, you, similarly like with Shaduchim, right? Shaduchim, a, a, a chas and a kala, they don't yet have that tremendous deep love that comes after years and years and years. So what do you do? You give nice gifts. So you give the chas and a, a, a new talis, two talisim, and a nice talis bag, you know, and, and, a, and a kipple, and a watch, and a shas, and this. I want to show you how much we love you. And the same thing to the kala. Give the kala a ring and a bracelet and a, a shaykel and a menorah and a lechter and this. Just how much we love each other. And it's fine. It should be done. For sure. But you're not going to expect that 50 years into your marriage, are you? You, know, you could just say, you know, dear, I know you like uh, chocolate chip cookies. So I, on the way home, I bought you a chocolate chip cookie. That does it, that, more than the lechter did 50 years before. When you're at that stage, it's the small things that really are important. Now we can understand why the Ushpizen that come to visit us, Pidafka and Sukkis. Because if we look at the Ushpizen, they were the ones who show that relatively small gifts are very much appreciated. So let's go through quickly the seven Ushpizen. You have a little Dvar Torah for every day of Shavuos, a Sukkot. First Ushpizen is Avram Avinu. He's the father of the Jewish people, the first of the Maiminim. He did a lot. He, he revealed Hashem in the world, and he was the, the only person who brought it up, but then he wanted to be mashpia on others and influence others. He did awesome things. He allowed himself to be thrown into the fire. There were ten tests. He really did big things for Hashem. 
But in what merit do we have the holiday of Sukkot? Where does that come from? What was the merit? Because Why? Because we were in Sukkot in the desert. And what merit did we have that Hashem should provide the clouds of glory for us? So the Gemara tells us, in what? There were three Arab-looking people came by, and I'm discussing with them. And he provided a meal and this and this, everything was running, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, it says, okay, they're eating the meal. And then it's, he says, he says, and recline under the tree. And what does that mean? So it says, Hashem is saying, because you gave them this ability to sit under the tree, or as some say that Avram like doted over them, in that merit that you kind of gave them a covering, I will give your, your Jewish people a covering for 40 years. And for, that will be the holiday of Sukkot for seven days. So look at this. We have the whole Sukkot. Mom is such a big thing. From what? From a little thing compared to everything Avram did in his whole lifetime. And even what he did for the three guests. He did a lot. Three fat-tongued uh, animals and this and that. But at the end of the day, he just hovered over them. I said, why don't you relax under the tree? It's much more deep depth to this simplicity. But that you see from the simple act, big things happen. With Yitzchak, Yitzchak did a lot of big things. He was willing to, to give his life up for an Ola and this. But yet there's an interesting question. When we refer to the event with, with Yitzchak, we call it the Akedas Yitzchak. And the question is, why do we call it the Akedas Yitzchak? Why don't we call it the Mesiras Nefesh Shel Yitzchak? The self-sacrifice of Yitzchak. Or the Korban Ola Shel Yitzchak. The burnt offering of Yitzchak. Why Akedas Yitzchak? Well, what does Akeda mean? Akeda means to tie. And what happens is that uh, Yitzchak was tied up. So that seems only to be a detail of how, but there's much more to the whole Akeda, the fact that he was willing to die. What's that tying up? So the measure says, to when Hashem said, you're going to take Yitzchak for an Ola, and you said, okay, that's fine. I'm willing to die. Now that's major sacrifice. He says, but Hashem, but I'm, but my father, please, when you're going to shek me, I may have a natural uh, reaction to want to move my body because it's going to, you're going to shek me. So tie me down so I can be shechted properly. What does that show? That little point that, you know what, I'm willing to do it, but I want to reach its perfection. That little action showed a world more of love. To just say I'm going to die is one thing, but I'm going to die, but I want to make sure that the Corbin is a good Corbin for Hashem and for you. That little part, that's the Akedah's Yitzchak. And just like when he, he was not sacrificed, instead we sacrificed a ram. The ram is garnished compared to Yitzchak, but yet we have merits for that. So we see from the small amount, great love is shown. Similarly with Yaakov. Yaakov, when he said, I crossed the Jordan River, when he's davening to, uh, to be Hashem to protect him from Esau, he says, And Rashi says, I didn't have anything. I had no gold, no silver. I only had my stick. And the question is, what's so big about the stick? Why are you mentioning the stick? And why does he have a stick? Uh, was he an old man that he needed to uh, use a stick to help him walk like a cane? So the Paneach Raza explains that Eliphaz took everything. All he had was the stick. So what did Yaakov do with the stick? He he, The stick had a hollow part inside. And there he put oil in. Why? So then at night he could light the oil that's inside. 
and the stick will be like a torch, and then he'll be able to learn Torah. Okay? And that oil as well, he used to anoint the stone to make it a Mizbeach after the dream. Okay? So what do you see? He's running away from his life. And Hashem, so what, what is he thinking about? He's thinking about taking the most important thing that he has, a very little bit. And what is that? Hitavka takes the stick that has oil because that is for spiritual need that is necessary. Okay? And therefore, when he has to go back to Esau and say, you know, this is the story that I had with Hashem. He's showing, you know what? That I cared about Hashem so much, even for the little things, I was more interested in that. Moving on now to uh, Moshe. Moshe, very simple. Hashem reveals himself to Moshe where? In the sneh, in the thorn bush, to show that even the, in, when the Jews are on the thorniest level, so to speak, and they're not producing as much as they can, but still Hashem says, I want to save them. So he showed that even the lowest things are important to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Aaron merits the kahuna, why? Because the simcha he showed when Moshe came back and that although he lost his job uh, being the leader, um, Aaron, he was very happy that Moshe had it. So see, that action, just a little bit of simcha, and Aaron was the spiritual advisor for the Jews in, in Egypt for so long, for 80 years, he was listening, going to Shiva house and this and that. But no, this little thing of showing his simcha for Moshe is what is able to show him that he's worthy of that idea. And that's why a coin also is not allowed to do his service by drinking wine, because he should not need wine to be happy. He's happy because he has the avod of Hashem, and that's everything. Yosef, how did he merit Malchus? Well, the way he got out of jail is because he explained the dream to the butler and the baker. But how did that come about? Really, it came out through his initi initiative of looking at a very small act. <coughs> He's in jail. <laughs> He's got plenty of things to worry about. He's been languishing there for a long time. And the two officers are a little bit in a grumpy mood. And he says, he notices these people. He says, what's wrong? Tell me your problem. They tell him his problem. He explains the dream. So even though he was involved in a relatively low thing, that's what gets him out of jail. David HaMelech. What about David HaMelech? Oh, well, he's very famous for what? Killing Goliath. How did he defeat Goliath? With a small stone. <laughs> that's all it took. So therefore, what do we see? We see that the Ushpizen, that they showed in their lives, their love to Hashem, their connection to Hashem, via small things, because they had that relationship. That's why the Ushpizen come on Sukkot. On Sukkot, we have such great love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The barriers have been taken down. And we love Hashem, the ultimate, for the whole year, the greatest love we have with Hashem is now. And the greatest love that Hashem has with us is now. And when you're two lovers like this, first of all, it's incredible simcha, because the barriers are down. It's like the great simcha, husband and wife, after they have a rip-roaring fight, and then they get back together. It's better than it was beforehand. There's a deeper understanding in the relationship. And therefore, that's why we're so much besimcha bedafka after sukkis, and why we're so much besimcha that even if it's hard, the simcha overcomes the difficulty. And Hashem says, you don't have to even give me the best because I don't need the best. And we're willing to go out when it's hard because that's what Hashem likes and that's also important. Hashem doesn't have to give us everything. We don't have to give Hashem everything because we've given ourselves to each other. We're bound up with each other. 
And that's a tremendous simcha that should grow and grow the seven days of Sukkot. Let me end with a brief story with the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov, uh, one year made a, when he was in Brod, he made a sukkah. Now we know in Hilchah Sukkah, there's a lot of leniencies in Hilchah Sukkah. There could be certain air spaces in your sukkah. There's a, a leniency of lovud, or even there's a gap in the in the walls. But if it's less than a certain amount, it's considered like the wall is closed up. And if the wall is not exactly next to the schach, we make this uh, shtick, halachic shtick, so to speak, that we say the wall is bent and it fits in. Or let's say the wall doesn't come all the way to the top. We, we say it's like it goes up to the top. There's a lot of leniencies in making a sukkah. And frankly, even if you only have 51% shade, it's also a kosher sukkah. And then you can add sometimes not kosher schach and this and that. Anyway, what did the Baal Shem Tov do? Very fascinating. The Baal Shem Tov one year made a sukkah with every leniency in the book. The walls, you know, you could have two walls and a tefach. So first he only had that. Then what happened was he... Um, he had a lot of open spaces on the top. And he had some schach puzzle over there. And then there were gaps even within the two walls that were there. It was really every leniency in the book for that. So the rabbis of Broad came. They looked at it. And he says, it's puzzle even b'diyevet. It's not kosher even for if you have to be lenient. They're having the discussion. Then all of a sudden a piece of paper falls from the top of the sukkah. And the piece of paper says, Sukkos, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, Ksheira, signed Malach Metat, which means the little sign from heaven said, the Baal Shem Tov Sukkah is kosher, signed by a certain angel that supervises things going on over here. Ah, so once that happens, the rabbi said, listen, we can't get involved in your mysticism. We'll just go to other Sukkos. What the, what the Malach was saying, we know Malach can't pass in a halacha, but Malach is saying, you should know, his sukkah is kosher. If you look a little deeper, you'll see in the halacha that he's a big Talmud Chacham and he understands it's kosher. But the obvious question, the obvious question, the Baal Shem Tov is mamish, the Gedole Hasidim. A chassid means you go beyond the letter of the law. That's what a chassid really means. I know countless Gemaras, rabbis were strict. That if there was a shaila on an animal, even though it was paskin kosher, they wouldn't eat it. That's the whole idea of glat kosher. So how could it be that the Balshemtov, who was such a chassid, was not being a chassid to be pious when it came to the sukkah? So Babach Rebbe gives the following answer, and I, I'll just be mosif a little. Gomorrah tells us, they make a dress in the sukkah, that a sukkah has to be potentially that all the Jewish people can live in one sukkah. Okay, there's a whole discussion of what that means. What it really means is every type of Jew should be able to fit into our sukkah. In other words, your sukkah should be able, now of course you can't have a sukkah big enough to hold 10 million Jews, whatever. But any one of those 10 million Jews should feel comfortable in our sukkah. So therefore we know the sukkah really reflects a lot about ourselves. And you know, there are sukkahs that have straight walls, four walls, enclosed, protected, and there are Jews who really protect themselves spiritually. There are other Jews who only have two and a half walls, and they're very much exposed to challenges. And a sukkah that's exposed like that it also experiences that. There's some who have crooked walls. That means maybe their hashkafas are crooked. 
They may have the schach is not so much, they're not so covered, they're not so protected. All these things, it's all that so these all types of halachas of a sukkah where there's problems with it, is talking about really on a spiritual level of Jews who have certain uh we'll call apparent deficiencies. So the Baal Shemto event was like this. Yeah, I can make a perfect sukkah. Beautiful Mahadmanahadram. But the whole point of a sukkah is to have guests. When you have guests and your greatness is just overflowing, it's very intimidating to other people. And therefore, since the Baal Shem Tov wanted his sukkah to be something that everybody can fit in, why? Because he loved every Jew. Why did he love every Jew? Because he loved Hashem. And if you love Hashem, you love every Jew. And Hashem loved him. And therefore the Baal Shem Tov wanted Bidafka to build a sukkah that would be so bidiyevet shebidiyevet shebidiyevet Mean to say that any quote-unquote bidyevet Jew will feel comfortable in this sukkah. And when a person like that goes in and says, oh, it reminds me of my sukkah. It's very hard to feel an attachment one Jew for another when they are so different from each other. We have to try, if you love someone, remember, you love someone, it's not... Yes, we want it. when you invite someone into your sukkah, you should have beautiful meals and to show the person you really love them. And that is absolutely true because we're not necessarily so close overtly. On the other hand, really are very close. If you're real chassid like the Baal Shem Tov, you love every Jew, you feel close to every Jew. You know, the main gift to the other Jew is not necessarily the fancy meal, but it's to show I relate to your issues. I understand you. I have struggles too. And my sukkah has so many deficiencies. So when you come into my sukkah, you're going to feel comfortable in my sukkah. This is Zman Sim Chaseinu. Zman Sim Chaseinu is when we're comfortable with our relationship with Hashem. There are no barriers between us and Hashem. Now is the time. You don't have to show the fanciest things. Although there is an Indian of Hidur Mitzvah. I don't want you to neglect Hidur Mitzvah. But that's not going to make or break the Yantif. And if something special you wanted didn't come through, it's not going to make you unhappy. And if bees come into the sukkah this year, you know what? As we say, a bee gazunt, right? A gamzu latova. And it shouldn't wreck up your yantif. And you figure, you're, you're with Hashem, Hashem's going to protect you. And you have guests that maybe it's a little bit more challenging to have them. But when you invite them, make them feel comfortable. Because this is the true gift of sukkahs. The love is at such a point, the love is so strong, you don't need so many externals. And that is what real simcha is about. So I wish us all mamish to be zoicha, to zman simcha seinu in the biggest ways. And we should be so simcha with no matter what the situation is. We may have to go into Golis during this year. It could be a very difficult year externally. But now that we are inculcating ourselves with this deep love for Hashem, as they say, love conquers all. We'll be able to make it through the year with the most hatzlocha imaginable with simcha. The simcha we gain now is the simcha we'll have for the entire year. We shall mamish the shana of simcha that we're looking for. Amen.